0: And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipper. Check us out online at packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy app. So no, you don't need to adjust your dials. Your phone isn't broken and betraying you. I've been out of commission for a couple days, and I told you that might happen. But you know, sometimes people still panic. That's all right. Everything's fine. Not dead quite yet. We'll see how high stress this season is. Um, but I, I feel confident that I've got a couple good years left on this heart. So um, don't, don't, uh, don't give up on me quite yet. I'm sure the Packers will send out a press release if anything happens to me anyways. So you, you'll be you'll be uh, well informed, I'm sure. But uh, because I've been out a couple days, what I'd like to do today, because I'm a little bit behind myself, is get caught up on a few questions. I've got a backlog of uh, text messages and voicemails, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that I would like to get to. And we'll see where that leaves us. And then today, because I always uh, overestimate my abilities, the plan will be to get caught up on day three and day four, and uh, what will be day five today, and get you a little bit of a update tomorrow. If that seems unlikely, it's probably because it is, but that's still the goal, and I'm still going to say that's what's going to happen. Just because I never follow through is no reason to start doubting me. Because one of these days I'm actually going to follow through with something, and you are going to feel real foolish that you didn't listen. But anyways, I appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there. I know that this is a really weird time to to go dark, considering there's so much going on. But it wasn't planned, and all the reason in the world to be super excited, because things just keep getting better every single day. Last week, we finally got to hear some news. This weekend, we finally got some pads on. This Friday, we're going to have a televised event, which, granted, Family Night isn't fun to watch anymore, but you're still going to see Packers on TV. It's still going to be that thing where it's like, man, we get to see the Packers, and then it's really underwhelming. But you know what? We're building up to it. Friday, as in this Friday, you're going to turn on your television, you're going to see the Green Bay Packers, and that's going to be awesome. Then, three days later, we have joint practices with the Houston Texans. So, Monday. So, we get through the rest of this week. By Friday, we got family night, so that's awesome. Then you get the weekend, which is cool because it's a weekend. Then starting Monday and Tuesday... You got joint practices with the Houston Texans, and then on Thursday of next week, basically a week from now, our first preseason game against the Texans, we get to watch all this stuff on TV. And I'll, I, I don't exactly know how much the starters are going to be playing, but I just, you feel like there has to be quite a bit, because it's a new offensive system, so Aaron Rodgers even is going to have to be out there a little more than he has been, which has been getting less and less every single year. Not just Rodgers, but just... The NFL in general has turned more toward, let's just never let starters play. And they'll figure it out in September. And this will just be third stringers trying to, you know, see if we're going to cut them, practice squad, or make the active roster. But you look at the defense especially. I mean, we've got two safeties that have never played a snap for Mike Pettin. Pretty much all of our corners are in their, you know, well, two of our corners are in their second year. Kevin King has accrued about one total year, and it's his second year in the system. Tremont is a super veteran because he's not only been in the league for 78 years, but he's been with Mike Pettin for now three years because he played with him with the Browns. But, I mean, you, you know, the defensive line and the Smiths and Gary and, and just everybody. So you'd think they'd need some live reps, and obviously the entire offense. This is their first year under Matt LaFleur, so I'm hoping. I'm, I'm just saying, I feel like... The starters should be getting some reps, so I'm hoping we get to see something cool, at least a little bit. And and look, even if it's third-string guys, you're still going to get to see Matt LaFleur's offense, so it's still going to be something kind of cool, like, oh man, imagine if that was Rodgers and Devontae doing that, that'd have been cool, instead of that sweet, sweet interception, that would have been something better than that. Anyways, I'm jacked up, all kinds of jacked up. But anyways, before we dive in, please remember to leave a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast. It helps me greatly. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you're listening, go ahead and leave me that review. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Check the description. You can see the phone number to text or call. It's a Google voice number, so don't worry. You're not going to call me and and be like, what do you want, man? Just go straight to voicemail. So just call and rant, and I get a cool little transcription from Google, which doesn't make any sense, and it's hilarious to uh, read it. One of these days, I should just read it as Google transcribes it. They're pretty hilarious. But because I can't listen to it right away, I usually try to read it and figure out what it's saying, and I I don't know. It's a fun little game. Otherwise, get yourself in the uh, the Facebook group, and uh, I don't know, there's other stuff to do. Check the link of links, you'll figure it out. But let's take our first break. Last time I listened, I keep saying, let's take a break, and there was nothing in between. But, you know, we'll maybe take a break right now. So the first call comes from uh, Andy. It's from a few days ago, and it's it's not really a question, but what he did is give an assignment for me, and I'm going to go ahead and pass that along to you because I think it could be pretty fun. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it in the Facebook group right this second so I don't forget. But the assignment was to come up with a motto for each player, and I'm glad he gave an example because as I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't, I can't, I don't even know where to start. But he went ahead and gave a motto for Rodgers, which one of those things where it took me a minute to understand what it even meant, and then when it hit me, it was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But the motto he gave for Aaron Rodgers was, just make the pass, you don't have to make the play. And I think that's pretty solid. Um, it would have been a good motto last year. It's especially a good motto this year, as he pointed out in his voicemail, because of the, the Matt LaFleur system. You, you know, be a part of the team. You don't have to be the whole team, would be another less eloquent way to say it. Just do your part. So, anyways, I'm going to throw that up in the Facebook group right now. Uh, If you can think of a motto for a player, just throw it out there, and then we can revisit this maybe tomorrow or the next day and kind of look at some of the different mottos. I'll see if I can come up with a few. I don't know. I'm not super great at that kind of stuff. I mean, my podcast is named the Packernet Podcast. My my nickname is the Pack Daddy. I mean, this is the extent of my creative abilities, so don't expect much from me. All right, it's in the Facebook group. Get in there. See what you can come up with. The next call I got comes from Jim from Florida. He more or less just wanted to express gratitude, um, first of all, to Mike McCarthy for uh, his role in bringing in Mike Pettin. And, I, I you know, I, I'm still – I still am in the camp of believing that he's one of the – it's hard to say because there's some brilliant – I mean, Vic Fangio and Bill Belichick and, and there's some great – as much as it, it kind of goes downhill when they take that head coaching role typically, um, a lot of them and, – and Mike Pettin included um, – a lot of them as defensive coordinators are just unbelievable. I'm still kind of waiting to see. I mean, you can't blame him for last year. He was playing with, again, Dom Capers pieces. And I think Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy weren't doing anyone any real favors in terms of personnel and also, you know, coaching staff, which was overhauled. Um, but I also, you know, I, I don't know. We, we don't know exactly where he's at. If, if we were to rank Mike Pettin among defensive of minds in 2019, because, again, the NFL evolves, and it's a matter of how much you can evolve with it, and, and Mike Pettin has evolved, it's just a matter of what, what is he now, what is his defense now, and I, whatever. But anyways, he, he wanted to express gratitude for that, and I am excited about having Mike Pettin, and uh, also for uh, Mark Murphy for bringing in um, Brian Gutekunst, and, and not bringing in, but elevating him to the GM role. And I wasn't sure if he was being sarcastic at first, but it, it doesn't sound like he was, but just how uh, essentially cold-blooded uh, Brian Gutekunst is. And I, I do think that's necessary. You know, I, I mentioned before how I mean, it, it was just different in the past. Not that Ted Thompson wasn't, you know, he was more than willing to, to get rid of guys when they got a little bit older, but I think we were more focused on on retaining players in the past. And as he pointed out, you know, not only is he just cutting everybody, I mean, it, it seems like he just, once you hit 30, he's like, all right, good enough, you're out of here. But uh, even during the season, the amount of cutting that he did, it, and, and you know, it also has to do with uh, with Mike Pettin. You know, I was listening to the interview this morning from Mike Pettin, um, and there was the comment about... Montrevious taking the biggest leap and that and that was all I heard and that's all anybody wanted to talk about but if you listen to it in its fuller context he flat out said he did not like Montrevious in his first year and I believe if he had not shown progress he could have been the one that was getting cut because Brian Gutekunst is is revamping this team and trying to make it fit the image of uh, Mike Pettin and also with Matt LaFleur so you're seeing a lot of cuts and that to Jim's point and to you know what he's talking about it is important to have a guy that's that's got ice in his veins. That you know, if Mike Pettin just comes along and says, "Look, this isn't a fit. This isn't working," and I, 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 there's no question that's a big part of what happened with Mike Daniels. It's just this is not. He's not what I want. And as as crazy as that seems, because you feel like Mike Pettin can just do whatever, no matter the the scheme. Mike Pettin says, "No, I I need, you know, this." And you look at the age, and you look at the price, and everything else, and and that's not an easy decision to make. Again, to to Jim's point and to his credit. To, to be that um, confident in yourself and to be that, um, that, that would not be easy. E- even if everything lines up, even if your defensive coordinator says it, even if the guys in the locker room don't care for him very much, to be able to say, all right, we're just going to cut him. Zero compensation, just let him walk out the door. That's uh, it's a bold move. You know, When you got Jordy, you got Perry, you got Clay, you got Cobb, you got Daniels. These are guys that have produced. And, um, you know, obviously Nick Perry and Clay Matthews weren't doing much where they were at, but, you know, again, Jordy, that was a big one, didn't really do much after he left. Cobb, you know, hasn't really been a superstar, but he's still very much liked by the fan base. You know, Aaron Rodgers really, really likes the guy, but, um, you know, he, he just, he doesn't care. His, his goal is to build this roster the way it needs to be built, the way the defensive coordinator wants it, the way... Um, Matt LaFleur wants it the way he wants it and that's just the way it's going to be so yeah and and as I've said before it's it's how he needs to be but it also doesn't quite give us an idea of good or bad are these good decisions or bad decisions we don't really know yet right this is the first year at least defensively we haven't even seen the overhauled offense yet because you know next year we might be talking about the same thing tons of cuts tons of this that or the other and you know, it's just a matter of, well, he's just rebuilding it in Matt LaFleur's image. I don't know. But this is this is kind of the first year that we're going to get a better look, right? At, you know, This is where we can start taking away the excuses from Mike Pettin if things don't go well. These are your guys. Obviously, you signed off on Amos. You signed off on Savage. You signed off on both Smiths. You signed off on Gary. You signed off on pretty much everybody that's here. But uh, I think there's, there's room to be optimistic. And I'm glad that, as Jim said, that he's at least doing the right thing because this is what you need to be doing, as much as you know the fans might scream and kick and, and holler at you. It's good that he has that ability. The next call I got was from Duncan, and it's actually something, and again, I've, I've been out and I've been wanting to look into it, because I think there's some validity to it. And, and really, I think when it comes to Mike Daniels, which is the the core of his, his comment, you can... You can say a lot of different things, and they're probably all true. The one that's kind of hanging out there in terms of whether there's validity or not is whether or not it was a locker room move. And what Duncan essentially had to say was he does not think it's an accident that it happened the day before camp opened. And the reason for that is because he said from day one, the goal is, the plan is, and what will be, a post-Mike Daniels defense, a post-Mike Daniels locker room right and and in other words there's going to be a new energy and a new everything from day one and again i I want to explore that a little more because it was actually um and i I haven't been listening to other packers podcasts for the most part but i'm probably going to ramp that back up because interesting things are actually happening i mean even nfl podcasts they can't even find things to talk about in the offseason it's been just horrible but I jumped back on uh, Blue58 the other day, and he was talking about a couple different Mike Daniels incidents. And I, I hadn't even heard about some of these. But, um, you know, for example, there was an incident where he was screaming at people in the shower. It was, like, caught on whatever, but just berating them. And there were some other comments from Devontae and some other players. I, this, I don't think this was from uh, that podcast, but... Somebody else made a comment, essentially, I think it was in the Facebook group, about Devontae and a few other people and their, their comment. I'll, I'll, I'm going to dive into that another time, but it, I find it interesting. It doesn't really matter. And again, it's it's probably a little bit of everything. But, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and essentially I do agree here with what Duncan is saying, that you know, I've been saying since last year, this is a, a big part of what's going on is locker room stuff. There's a certain energy and there's a certain vibe that you need to have and, and coming together as a team. Coaches are talking about that constantly Matt Nagy just did an interview recently and he talked about you know building building a culture and and just getting that buy-in and getting the energy and, and just you know trying to set a tone and if you look at last year that that's not a tone that anyone is trying to set Mike Daniels did not set that as a goal you know what I want I want stoic whiny crybabies in the locker room that go to the media and talk about how things aren't going good and pout and you know kick everybody under the bus and I don't know what to do, and whining and complaining, and th- this is kind of what I'm building here. That's that's not anybody's plan. It just fell apart, and and so you know that's a big part of what Matt Lafleur needs to do, similar to what Matt Nagy did. You look at Sean McVay and how he just brought in this different sort of energy and vibe, and as, again, as as silly as it seems, it's not, and that is a big part of what being a coach is, and uh, you know, so that that process began last year with you know Brian Gutekunst doesn't necessarily set that tone that's going to be set by the head coach and the coaching staff you know Mike Pettin is going to be largely setting the tone for the defense but at the very least um Brian Gutekunst is is getting rid of just whatever negativity he can you know essentially he's got a he's got a hit list (laughs) and there's certain people you can't cut and I you know I'm not going to name names but there's certain people that it's like I don't like their their attitude but you know they're not going anywhere, and honestly, I really think Mike Daniels was on that list as, as somebody that I just don't really want here. You know, even you look at guys going back to Demarius Randall, where, you know, he was not great for the locker room, and it's just a matter of we're not going to cut him because we need him, right? He's our number one cornerback and all that stuff, but as soon as we started drafting other corners and everything, it's just, it's like, we're, we're moving on, and I think the the to Duncan's point in terms of how this all maybe comes together... Um, because you look at it and say, "Well, you know, you're you're not going to cut him the day before knowing that you wanted to cut him the day." But I I think the the more accurate way to look at this is they knew they were going to move on, and it becomes a question of you know I got to talk to the defensive coordinator and everybody ever make sure everybody's on board, and essentially the process probably for a very very long time is we're going to move on from Mike Daniels, and at the very least. Again, as Duncan said, the, the reason it was the day before camp opened is that was the last day, right? We, we we're not letting him in the locker room. We're not letting him with the team. We're not going to let him practice. We don't want him here. Granted, it probably could have been a day before, you know, before he shows up and everything else. But th- this was this was the last day, and if we can't get something done, we we gotta just cut him because we don't we, just, we again we just don't want him in the locker room. We don't want that energy. We don't want that vibe. We we don't want him setting his tone for the locker room and I'm, I'm you know th- th- I don't know that any of this is true I'm just saying to Duncan's credit that that makes sense to me we we waited until the absolute last day but we're, we're not going to actually start camp with Mike Daniels because we just don't want the the new guys the young guys to be influenced by him because he's pulling in a different direction Mike Pettin is trying to set this tone Mike Daniels is pulling in the other direction and it, it might just be a negativity thing we got newer younger we, we, we've got this sort of you know, optimistic vibe, and we just don't want Mike coming in here and make ev- making everybody upset and down and everything else. So that's it for the voicemails. Uh, why don't we just take our second break, and then we'll get into the text messages. We'll see where we're at and maybe add in a couple things from the Facebook group or whatever. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, And i he's got such a running list, I forget which ones I've addressed and which ones I haven't. I'm pretty sure I already touched on the, do you think Aaron Rodgers is regressing? So we'll we'll go one after that. And the question is, do you think the the Kaiser trade was just to get rid of Randall, or do you think the Packers saw something and actually wanted him? I, I tend to think that they actually wanted him. But if you look at, for example, what happened with just what happened with Mike Daniels, it's possible they wanted a little bit better compensation and Kaiser is the best that they could get. So in other words, I, they, they wanted him enough to actually accept that because we know now that they'd be willing to just cut him if nothing else. How badly they wanted Kaiser, I have no idea. Um, I know that there were rumors about uh, the Packers being tempted to pick him in the draft over Kevin King. My contention has been that was maybe Brian Gutekunst's voice and with him kind of restructuring things. Maybe he decided to rectify that de- decision by getting rid of somebody that he never really liked, because that was one of the things he did. Also, was start cutting a bunch of guys that maybe he didn't want to pick. He never really cared for them, and um, you know it. it so yeah, I, I think they like Kaiser is is the 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 answer to that question. The other thing that I'm I'm starting to realize is I just really think, and it, this is true with with Josh Jones as well. I, I think. The Packers had no real intention of keeping him and probably wanted to trade him anyways. He was probably on that list because hearing Mike Pettin say that he came in and did not like Montravius kind of stunned me. And it just kind of gave me a clear picture of what I kind of already saw and was talking about, right? Why are Mike Daniels' snap counts so low when I feel like he should be a lot higher? Why is Josh Jones just not even on the field? I mean, they wouldn't even let him on the field until we were just decimated with injuries and there was literally nowhere else to go it just became abundantly clear that there are certain people that Brian Gutekunst just doesn't like and didn't want on this team, that Mike Pettin doesn't like and didn't want on this team, and that's probably going to be true with Matt LaFleur as well, which is why we might see some surprising options on offense, right? We're already seeing Danny Vitali just get a ton of, of snaps and reps, which Mike McCarthy didn't really do very much with him. You know, there, there's hype about Trevor Davis. I don't actually expect him to be a massive contributor or even necessarily make the roster, but just kind of out of nowhere, he's kind of getting more respect than you ever heard or saw with Mike McCarthy. I mean, they kept him on the roster. They liked him to some degree, but he didn't seem to have any real ability in that offense. So it's just interesting to me that and, and, and again, it makes sense. If, if you just don't like somebody and don't think that they're a contributor and, and we never should have drafted them, don't double down on a bad decision by keeping them and saying, well, we can't just cut a bunch of people. We need people on here and whatever. For that reason, that's why Brian Gutekunst came in and just cut, 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 cut. But also to that point, he's not going to add somebody he never liked anyways. right? If, if he's going through and saying he's garbage, I never liked him, I never liked him, he's not going to add somebody that he thought I never really liked him anyways. So Again, they liked some people in that room like Kaiser and wanted him over king. I think Gutekunst, maybe, even if he was a little more king than Kaiser, was probably one of the voices that said we should get Kaiser. Because, again, he just has no desire to have certain players on this team that he doesn't think are going to be good players. And, so, and that's the one thing that gives me hope for Kaiser. Um, you know, He was seen by a lot of people as a first-round Talent, and I, I think gudekunst because he brought him over, still believes that he has that first-round kind of potential. Um, it's not speaking super highly of gudekunst at this point because we haven't seen it very much. But I'm hoping with Lafleur and his system, maybe things are going to start to, you know, start to show out a little bit. That that potential's in there somewhere. He has that ability. I mean, the the upside for him is just incredible. I mean, we, we're 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 basically. Looking at it and saying there's Aaron Rodgers and then there's three other quarterbacks that are pretty close to evenly matched and that shouldn't be how it is. Deshaun Kaiser is playing like an undrafted free agent. He has first round draft pick ability somewhere in his soul and it has to come out. It may never, but again, um, Brian Gutekunst saw it, believed in it, and um, you know I I don't expect anyone really believes that he's going to take over for Rodgers at, at, at this point or even at any point, even when the trade went through. But to have a quality backup, um, that that should be the goal. Like a, a guy that can come in and win football games, especially if we have a better defense, a more scheme-driven offense. If he can come in and just execute and just just deliver the ball where it needs to be when it needs to be, if Aaron Rodgers goes out for a game, assuming we're not playing the Chiefs or the the Rams or you know the, some other top-tier team, there's a real real chance and a real opportunity to win that game. And it, it, you know it's really not surprising that almost every single time a backup came in for the Green Bay Packers it was just devastating because again Mike McCarthy's whole offense was predicated on and as James Jones has said a thousand times and as I've said a thousand times it's not about taking what the defense gives you it's about taking what we want it's about we're better than you we're going to line up and we're just going to beat you which is great when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and you have five basically number one wide receivers on your team and one of the best offensive lines in the game and, and you know you can do that, but then you get a guy like Kaiser or any number of the 17, 20, 25 different backups we've had over the years that have come in at different points in the year, different points of time, and they just can't execute to that level because it's a really, really hard thing to do. And if you don't have an Aaron Rodgers or some player some quarterback at that level, you're not going to succeed in that kind of offense. Now, a Matt LaFleur offense, you can kind of see where even though obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to execute better, you still have an ability, right? It's about scheming guys open. Well, if there's a guy open, an NFL-caliber quarterback, a guy that's even on a practice squad and in the NFL team, should be able to deliver a pass to the wide-open guy. It's going to be a lot more mistakes, a lot more bad passes, but again, we just need enough to be able to execute within the scheme. And that's, you know again, assuming that you're going to have help from the run game, you're going to have help from the defense, you're going to have help from special teams. If you have all that stuff in place you know, the hope is with all that assumed, Kaiser could be able to come in and just not lose us a football game. And yeah, to circle back to your question, I, I think the intention was to bring him in. They they would not have accepted it if they didn't think that Kaiser was somebody that they wanted on their team. I don't really know how badly they want him, but I, I tend to think that, they you know, Brian Gutekunst really likes Kaiser. So the, the next question also from Kyler, and it's a little bit aged, but you know, whatever uh it says what happened with mike who are we using to replace him and would we go out for someone so the second question has already basically been answered uh no which kind of helps us to answer the first question right we didn't go out and replace him with somebody why well the first part of the question was who are we using to replace him obviously it's part of the reason we got rid of him is because of the the belief we have in the guys on the defensive line already so, you know, going back to the Mike Pettin comment about how he didn't care for Montrevious, he didn't he didn't think he was going to be on the team this year at all, but he said he cut weight and he's, you know, he's, he's doing things this year that he never would have been able to last year, and he went on to say now he's a guy we're going to depend on. Now, I was a little bit upset by hearing the full context of the comment because now I went from thinking, oh man, he took a step from being okay to being great, now it's kind of like, well, in Mike Pettin's eyes, he was trash. And he took the biggest step. Well, go, you know, wh- wh- where is he now? I mean, he, he might have taken a big step to mediocre in Mike Pettin's eyes. But hearing him say we're going to depend on him means he's one of the guys that we felt good enough that we can just cut Mike Daniels and move on. Um, but essentially the direct answer, Montrevious. Montrevious is going to be the guy, at least to start with, at least at this particular point in time, Montravius is going to be the direct replacement to Mike Daniels. There's going to be a rotation um, you know, Kingsley Kiki might step into that spot and maybe he'll even be a better defensive tackle. But again, at this point in time, um, a guy that's been in the system, a guy that's been developing over time. Um, I, I, I really hope because I know Montravius has some pretty high upside. He was unbelievably athletic, uh, watching him in college. He kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, obviously a, a, to a lesser degree, but of a Kenny Clark, um, one of the weird things that I have said several times about Kenny Clark is he's one of the few defensive linemen I've seen that that sheds blockers. I mean, he, he, he looks like a linebacker doing it, how he just kind of like swipes people out of the way. It's not like grab and rip. It was literally like a two-hand swipe, like, you know, martial arts kind of stuff. Just, just weird stuff. Just incredible ability to, to just make a, a lineman miss right at the line of scrimmage. It was weird. But Montrevious had some real good pass rush ability, unbelievably fast for his size. So, you know, he's got a lot of potential, especially as a pass rusher. You know, he, he apparently lost a lot of weight, which probably isn't going to help him be a run defender, but Mike Patton obviously is wanting to capitalize on his pass rush ability, and hopefully he can, you know, take a big step. You know, should our expectation be he's going to be as good as Mike Daniels? Probably not, but, you know, another good way to look at this whole situation is, you know, we, we always want to look at it as, um, you know, Mike Daniels was a better football player, so we should have kept him. And who cares about how long your arms are or this or that or whatever? Think about what we've been saying with Vic Fangio and the Chicago Bears and how the new defensive coordinator is going to come in and he's going to be more aggressive and it's probably going to mean more sacks and all that. And then, you know, the, the automatic question is, well, how does that not make the Bears defense better without Vic Fangio? The point is. Vic Fangio's defense worked because of how it worked as as almost sort of an ecosystem. How everything played off of everything else, and everybody just played a role, and it was a defensive unit that was so solid. And everybody individually performed really well because they did their specific job and didn't have to worry about everything else. If my system is going to work, I need to have the right pieces to make everything work as a defense, and just having individuals like Mike Daniels do a good thing is great. You know, him being able to just get past people and get after the quarterback is great. But I need guys that fit a system that can do certain things that I ask. I mean, go back to Rashawn Gary over at Michigan. You know, why didn't he get more sacks and all this kind of stuff? Well, we didn't ask him to do that very often. Obviously, they asked him to go after the quarterback a lot. But he was asked to do different things because he was so good at it. It, it seems counterintuitive. Why would you not make your best defensive player, possibly, constantly just run after the quarterback because we have a defensive system and we need certain people to do certain things within that system. And Rashawn Gary was very good at doing this one thing that we need. And then as a whole, the defense comes together as a solid unit. So as counterintuitive as it seems, what we want isn't a defense, and this is what it's been for a long time, where we have certain players that are just really good and everybody else is really bad and it's just kind of like everybody just kind of does their own thing. We need this, this unit to work as a unit. We need the system to be the thing that succeeds. And each individual player to be a part of this larger, broader system. With the goal being that we look a little bit more like the Bears. Where it, it's just, you know, even the Vikings in 2017, where it was just so hard to do anything. doesn't matter if you're running the ball, passing the ball, short pass, long pass. It just It's just a frustrating defense. And, and, you know, let's let Mike Pettin be the mastermind here. He has a defensive, uh, a much bigger picture in mind than just having a bunch of good players kind of just do whatever. Like, okay, just rush the pass. No, 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 no. I need everybody to do everything. It's like synchronized swimming, right? Everybody needs to do the right thing at specifically the right time. Don't ask dumb questions. Just do what I tell you to do. And you even listen to Blake Martinez talk about how some things seem counterintuitive. Like, why are we doing that? That doesn't make any sense. And he said as the year went on and even going into the second year, those types of things are starting to make sense. Things that seem counterintuitive, like why are you asking me to do this in this situation, suddenly it's starting to make sense. So our surface level look at, hey, Mike Daniels is better, why don't we use Mike Daniels? Because it doesn't make the system work. It doesn't help our system work. And it's not that Mike Patton has a perfect group of players now. I mean, I'm sure there are other guys that... They're not voicing at this particular point in time, but they're just not a great fit for our scheme. Again, Josh Jones. You kind of had to read between the lines to figure out Mike Patton just doesn't like him, which is what I've been saying since last year. It appears to me Mike Patton came in and said, that guy is not a good football player and I don't want him on my team. And I think he said it about Mike Daniels. I think he said it about uh, Josh Jones and, and, you know, maybe some other people that we're not super privy to. Obviously, he wasn't super excited about Clay and Nick Perry, which and really, if you look at it, obviously their their production was such that it there weren't a lot of questions asked when they both got cut or released or whatever. But I think even if they had performed at a relatively high level, that may have also been one of those kind of big question marks because you look at Preston Smith, Darius Smith, Rashawn Gary. It certainly doesn't look like Clay Matthews. Maybe a little bit like Nick Perry, but uh, you know he's got the guy that he wants, the the guys that he wants now. But now is the point when okay, you got your guys, let's see this thing work. So hopefully we get uh, a better idea of what's going on and how the defense works. It's also exciting because, you know, if the defense is even, you know, good, it doesn't have to be elite. I'm, I'm talking like 10th. It's going to silence a lot of people because, you know, the Packers fans talking about the Packers having a good defense is like Lions fans talking about the Lions having a good team. We all want to dismiss it outright because oh, I know you guys are going to be great, just like every year. I, I understand, but you just dismiss it because it's the Lions. But as I've been saying, one of these days the Lions are going to have a good team, and you got to kind of look at the actual situation and gauge. You know, this might actually be a pretty decent team. You look at their defensive line, especially now with Mike Daniels. You look at the cornerbacks with Slay, and then they brought in their slot corner. You 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 know. Jelani Tavai I don't know what they're going to get there at linebacker but again their offensive line is still decent Matt Stafford is a decent quarterback decent wide receivers a really good running back might actually be a good team same thing with the Packers defense anytime you want to chirp up about it everybody just starts laughing like I I, I get it right we've had a bad defense for a really long time and even I feel weird saying those words that we're going to be a good defense we're going to have a good defense but you're you're laughing at Dom Capers and Demaryius Randall and Quentin Rollins and Clay Matthews and you know you know that that's what you're laughing at and I'm telling you Mike Pettin Rashawn Gary Adrian Amos Darnell Savage Preston Smith Zadarius Smith Kenny Clark I mean we're speaking two different languages here so one of the biggest things I'm excited for and and hopeful for is for the defense to to really be on par with. Um, The other NFC North defenses with the Chicago Bears defense, the Vikings defense, the Lions defense. And, I, you know, the Lions defense is no different. Everybody laughs when you say they're going to have a good defense. And and I would say the Packers have a better chance of being a good defense just because our secondary has been so revamped. Still a lot of questions there. What's Kevin King going to be able to do? Um, Tremont sounds like he's going to be in the slot. What does that say about Josh Jackson? Kind of I don't know what his role is because he was kind of the slot guy before, which I didn't really care for. But if Tremont's going to take the slot responsibilities and Kevin King is still going to be on the outside, it sounds like Josh Jackson is the odd man out. Obviously, not surprisingly, I'm hoping Josh Jackson takes the job from Kevin King, but you know, whatever. But yeah, that'll be, and and you know what, that's going to be a real big uh uh-oh moment. You know, all the Bears fans chirping up, all the the Vikings fans chirping up, Lions fans kind of don't talk all that much. But even even nationally, everybody's looking at it as the Packers are declining, Aaron Rodgers is declining. Obviously, the defense is going to be garbage. If 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 the NFL community and the NFC North sees week one, where the Packers not only beat the Bears, but do it with having a very good looking defense, everybody's going to get quiet real quick. You ever see those National Geographic shows, you know, Planet Earth or whatever, where you got like all these skittish, scared little animals, and they're kind of down at the bottom, kind of drinking and kind of going about their business and after a while they're like oh everything's fine and then there's there's some kind of a noise whether it's a lion roar or whatever and everybody just freaks everybody freezes they look at each other and they run that's what's going to happen week one if this defense comes out and just dominates you see Rashawn Gary Preston Smith Zedarius Smith Kenny Clark Montrevious Adams Blake Martinez Oren Burks Adrian Amos Darnell Savage Jair Josh Jackson Kevin King Tremont Williams they just come out and they just dominate the Chicago Bears and you'll, you'll know. Uh, you might have some people say, oh, the Bears offense is just garbage, Trubisky. No, you'll know. If this is a d- dominant defensive performance, n- maybe Bears fans will start to, to pipe up and, and not want to give the Packers credit. And, and Vikings fans too, probably. But it, it's, it, again, it's going to get quiet real fast and people are going to start saying, uh-oh. Because everybody knows what Aaron Rodgers can do, and as much as everybody wants to open their big mouth about how he's declining and all that, if suddenly this offense gets back on track and he starts completing passes and the offense looks efficient and they can do what they used to do where it was just, you know, you start at the 10-yard line, you just keep, you know, getting first down, first down, first down, keep working your way down the line and get a touchdown, and then the Bears offense comes out and it's just, no, that ain't working. I just, I want that really badly, and I, you know, I'm not saying it's even a likely scenario, but... A really good defense is going to just quiet a lot of people, and I I, I need that man. I'm tired of people talking. Everybody's been running their big mouth, and especially Bears and Vikings fans. It's like you know what? I'm getting a little tired of it. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is so overrated, man. I cannot wait for him to smack you around. So badly do I want that. And again, you know that if the offense is working and the defense is anything even resembling a top 10 defense, instantly they go from this this team is now a joke to this team is now a Super Bowl contender. And I, I, I just, I really want to see it. And I, I don't want to see it gradually. I mean, I'll take it and that's probably what it'll be. I want to see week one just smashing them right in the mouth. Just just coming out saying, I'm tired of hearing you talking. And they just make an example of the Chicago Bears. You guys have been talking way too much for way too long and I'm really tired of it. I want Aaron Rodgers to come out that way and I want this young fresh defense that is being mocked and ridiculed because it's the Green Bay Packers and they never have a good defense and they can't cover anybody or whatever to just eviscerate the Chicago Bears. I want and I need that so bad. But, um, yeah, to answer the question, Montrevious Adams is going to be replacing Mike Daniels. This is why I like questions, man. It just just kind of jumpstarts the car a little bit. Like, I don't know what to talk about. Who's going to replace Mike Daniels? Let me tell you about this defense, son. So, thanks, Kyler. Appreciate that. Josh, shout out a text. Has nothing to do with the podcast. But he just says, I'm watching some training camp footage. Just seeing our boys again has me entirely too excited. Football is back. I'm sure that was just intended for me. But I think that's a great message for everybody because it is absolutely time to start getting jacked up. Love watching Rashawn Gary, um, seeing what he's doing out there. Nothing but good news about Rashawn. I'm sure there's still some youth and inexperience and all that, but with Mike Smith and even uh, David Montgomery, I'm sure, is going to be helping out. As Mike Pettner said, he's one of the best teachers of, of fundamentals and everything else that, that he's ever been around. And I absolutely believe that. I mean, it, I mean, I started believing that last year when every single defensive lineman that came in was graded out by PFF as "quote unquote" good, right? Guys that had no business being good football players just came in and just just played well. I mean, James Looney, who is that guy? I mean, he, he didn't get very many snaps, and he's just kind of a somebody you don't expect much from. And he was a seventh round pick, and um, he was he was good. He was fine. But then you you figure the development of guys like Montravius and Kingsley Kiki. He just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's somebody to be really excited about. And again, with Rashawn being inside and outside, he's going to have Mike Smith and Montgomery both teaching him up and coaching him up, and and with his athletic, ah, oh, I'm just so excited. Oh, and and you talk about proving people wrong. I mean, it, it's weird to think of the Packers as an underdog, but it, it there's nothing better than having the the quality of talent that the Packers have being treated as poorly as they're being treated because when they get a chip on their shoulder when they decide they're going to show everybody wrong it's going to do some real serious damage to people a person of Rashawn Gary's athletic ability with a chip on his shoulder a legitimate chip being even a a first round pick number 12 overall he has a legitimate chip on his shoulder because he's been mocked and ridiculed. People didn't even want him in the first round. He's no good. He doesn't have any production. He's got a shoulder injury. People mocked that the Packers took him. That's not even a good fit. It's a terrible pick. You know, there's all these pass rushers and all this, this great defensive class. And everybody wants to talk about Bosa. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, Josh Allen and, and Brian Burns, who was taken later. And all these other guys everybody wants to talk about. Nobody cares about Rashawn Gary. I want him to go so scorched earth. And, and again, one of the things I loved, I listened to him talk to Rich Eisen. Is who it was. I couldn't think of his name last time, but he's talking to Rich Eisen, another Michigan guy. And he was talking about the fact that he didn't play against Michigan State and, and it was a big deal. And just listening to this, this switch get flipped and just the hatred he had for Michigan State and the love he had. It became very clear that this guy is loyal. And you look at his, his Twitter and I, I know he blocks a lot of people or whatever, but you know everything is is hashtag put cheese on everything, which is his thing or whatever. he is a packer. He is I mean, he, he's exactly what you want is somebody that comes in and feels a sense of loyalty with you know those tears when he got drafted, he's never going to forget who it was that drafted him. He is going to fight and bleed for this team and for his teammates. That was the sense I got listening to that interview. He, 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 he's all about the whole brotherhood, community. He was talking about Devin Bush and how much he loves that guy. And, you know, he went out there against that Michigan State team, and he started, you know, I don't remember the clip. He went out and started using his cleats to scuff up the Michigan State symbol, starting a big fight and all this other stuff. And, and Rashawn talked about he wished he was out there to, to go fight with him. This is a guy who was, who was just madly obsessed with the idea of going to battle with his brothers on the battlefield. And he's working real hard. And you listen to Mike Pettin talk about how he's, you know, you, we, we almost have to, not even almost, we have to slow him down a little bit in the walkthroughs because he's too intense. Absolutely do I love that. And when you got guys like Rashawn Gary, as good as they are, who have been talked about as, as being, you know, not very good. When, you, when you've when you got guys like Adrian Amos being mocked as being, you know, he was just a product of a system. When you got guys like Aaron Rodgers being talked about as being washed up, being, you know, whatever. Even Devontae, you know, being sort of disrespected in a way and kind of playing off that chip a little bit. And Rodgers is even feeding into that. Like, no, we are going to show everybody this man is, is. You know, Aaron Rodgers said top three minimum. I mean, this is, this is a team that's starting to build its identity on being the underdog. You know, Matt LaFleur was not a good, you know, offensive coordinator. He's going to be a bad coach. You just, just go down the line of, of disrespect. And, you know, that's what happens when you lose. But, hey, it's to our benefit. Because if this is a good team with good players, which it is, with actual good systems that are modernized and and this whole thing works, and everybody's really mad, and everybody's out for blood, people are going to learn real quick to wash their mouth. And it, as good as the Chicago Bears might be and could be and as good as the Vikings have a potential of being, and a lot of these teams, I went through the roster and looked at how good they are and the potential they have, this team reaches its full potential. If the Mike Pettin system starts to really come together, if the Matt LaFleur system is working and Aaron Rodgers is able to operate at a level that he was at you know, three, four years ago, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care how good the Bears' defense is. I don't care if Mitch Trubisky takes a step. I don't care if the Vikings go back to 2017. That doesn't matter anymore. It's the Packers all day. So, yes, I am also excited football is back. I'm um, not sure if we're going to get through all of these, but um, Eric from Toledo says, because I was, I was talking about Crosby and how I like Crosby and getting rid of him would be a mistake, and I'll, I'll admit there there are certain times, and I've, I've talked about this with a friend of mine, I'm trying to get rid of blind spots, and that's one of the benefits of having a podcast where people can call you out on stuff. Because sometimes if you just like somebody, you say that they're really good, and then you know somebody reminds you of stuff. But um, Eric from Toledo pointed out that Mitch Cros- Mitch Crosby, Bing Crosby, whatever his name is, Mason Crosby blew three games last year. He said Detroit, mini, and Arizona. So I'm trying to go back and see. And it's hard because Detroit we played twice, mini we played twice, as he phrased it, and Zona, obviously we played once. I'm trying to think about the, uh, are we talking about the overtime against Minnesota? Because I know he missed a field goal in that game, but it was, first of all, it was a 52-yard kick, and he actually made it from 52, but they called it last second time out, they made him kick it again, and he missed it. The second time we played Minnesota, the the last time we scored, Mason Crosby made it, made a kick. It was 14-24, to he made it 17-24, to and the Packers never got the ball back. It's really hard to believe that uh, we got stomped out that bad because because of Mason Crosby. And again, listen, you, you can't just say, if this is what you're saying, and I'm, I'm, I'll look at the other two, but just because a guy misses a kick and we lose the game, you can't just put that all on the kicker. Right? There's a lot of things that go wrong in a loss. One of those things might have been a missed kick for three points. I'm sure there were a lot of other scoring opportunities. You know, if the Packers didn't stink so bad and have to punt, they maybe could have gone down and got a touchdown. I mean, that's the goal every drive. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to bring us down the field and score touchdowns, and he doesn't almost every single time. So I don't see an area where he specifically lost us the game against Minnesota other than a 52-yard kick where it went wide left, which was the second time he had to kick it, the first time he actually made it, and 52 yards is far from automatic. Let's see, Detroit. Detroit. Well, week 5 we lost 23 to 31. So I don't know if I even want to look at that one. The second time we lost was 31 nothing. So I'm willing to bet he didn't lose us that game. You must be talking about week 5 because there's no way I'm putting a 31 nothing loss on the Lions and I don't know how M- Mason Crosby lost us a game where we lost by, you know, 8 points, but we can look at it. I'm not even going to use game pass because if it's a missed kick at the end of the game, so what? <laughs> it doesn't it's not going to win us. I mean, we wouldn't even be kicking a field goal in that situation, because that wouldn't get us a, a win. Nothing would except a touchdown and a two-point conversion, which also does not include a kicker. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> see, this is what I'm talking about with blind spot. Apparently, he was one for five on the day. Now, if we assume he makes four of the other, you know, four field goals, that would be 12 points, and that would be a win. Even if he makes three, that's nine points. So if we, if we say the 50 plus yard kick is still a miss, he missed one kick in the 30 yard range. He missed two kicks out of three from 40 to 49 and he missed his only kick from, yeah, that's pretty terrible. All right, I'll give you that one. That's really bad. To be fair though, if we're just looking at this, he was 20% on the day. In 11 other games, he was 100%. Two games, he was 50%. One game, he was 83.3. So almost every game, he's 100%. Against Minnesota, again, not his fault. He was five of six in that game. And really, it's like five and a half out of six because he made the first one and missed the second one. So not super going to blame him for that. And then the two 50% games against Seattle, he was one for two. Against Arizona, he was one for two. That was the other one you referenced. One of his only, outside of the game where he missed four of five, it was one of his only misses on the entire season. And again, I don't even need to go look it up. If we're blaming Mason Crosby for our loss against Arizona, we've completely lost entire, the entire context of the season. It should not have... I don't care if he missed a game-winning field goal. I don't care. That game should have been 45-7. to So, yeah, the, the game against Detroit was horrible. we probably win that game if he just makes some of those field goals. He only needed to make three out of five. Actually, no, he needed to make... We needed three more, so he would have had to make four out of five. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll halfway give you that one. I mean, one out of five is terrible, but he had to have been four out of five to, you know, win the game, which I don't think is an automatic. I don't know. I mean, I'll give you half credit on that one. But I'm not giving you the game against Minnesota where he was five of six and only missed one kick, which he made on his first attempt from 52 yards out. And then again, Arizona, no, sorry. He made one, he missed one. The one he missed was from beyond 40 yards, not a gimme whatsoever, and who cares? We lost by three, so if he goes two for two and goes 100%, which he did almost all year, then we're tied with the Cardinals, which is not a win. It's a tie. Don't know who ends up winning the game, and again, who cares? That's pathetic. We lost to the Cardinals because Mason Crosby, I mean, we didn't tie with the Cardinals because Mason Crosby missed a field goal. Mm, No. He was 30 of 37 on the season. He was 5 of 7 from 50 yards plus. The worst was that 40-yard range, and primarily because of that Detroit game, where he went 1 of 3. That was 2 of his 4 misses from 40-plus yards. So, you know, Mason Crosby didn't have the greatest year ever, but again, you get rid of that Detroit game, it was fine. He's, he's on par with still being a phenomenal kicker. He only missed 7 total kicks, 4 of which came against Detroit. So he only missed 3 the entire rest of the season, and no, none of them resulted in a loss. This isn't like Minnesota. Minnesota's kicker lost them that game. He missed two field goals in overtime. One of them was from like 20 yards out. That's a problem. Missing from 52 yards out on the second attempt? Sorry, dog. Not not giving you that. But anyways, he's got a second one, but I really got to get going. I'm going way over time here. So we'll try to circle back to that. But again, tomorrow the plan is get more uh, training camp news. I'm going to try to get those articles back up. I hope you somewhat enjoyed that. It's going to be a pretty good reference for all of us going forward. i got to get days three, four, and now five done. We'll see what I can do. Otherwise, you folks enjoy your Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.